Good morning. Uh, if you don't know me, I am Mitch. I am the pastor of student ministries here at Celebration. Uh, today, we are going to continue in our Advent series. Uh, sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not going to be eating chocolate while I preach today. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> I had to. Um, but because it is our Advent series, uh, I would like to, of course, begin by talking to you about the god Molech. Bet you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> uh, the god Molech is this god that we read about in the Old Testament. Uh, he was the god of the Ammonites, and later the Canaanites and the Phoenicians worshipped him. And he was most well known uh, for, besides having the head of a bull, he was most well known for the way that the people who followed him worshipped him. And that was by making child sacrifices, sacrifices to Molech. What an awful, awful thing uh, to be known for. You might recognize this next god. Uh, this is Zeus, uh, part of the Greek pantheon. Zeus, I think, a little bit more than Molech, especially today, we look at it in a little bit uh, higher of like respect, I guess. Especially if you have seen the fantastic movie Hercules from Disney. Like Zeus is always smiling. He's this really jolly guy. But uh, the Greeks didn't always know Zeus as this smiling, happy guy. No, in fact, Zeus was known uh, to be a god that was prone to fits of rage and anger. Zeus was the god who turned on his father because his father was going to eat him and killed his father with his brother. Zeus was a god that got what he wanted, and when he didn't get what he wanted, he became very angry. Uh, this is Odin, the god of uh, the Saxons. Most of you are thinking Odin, Vikings. Yes, god, this god Odin... Uh, was known also to be a very uh, a god that would have bloodthirst. That would he was a warlord of the gods. He would have been a god that also would have been seen as at times a very angry god. And as we look at these three examples of some pagan gods, and there are so many more. I think it's really easy to say that the people who worship these gods, um, amongst other gods, would have absolutely looked at these gods and said definitively that these gods, the gods were frightening. I mean, what else makes a people group sacrifice their children if not that they are afraid of the god Molech? The Greeks, if something was going on, they would say, Zeus, the gods are, are angry. The gods were very frightening. And part of this, the gods being frightening, was that there was this sense of the unknown uh, with the gods. The gods had this sense of being otherworldly, being unrelatable. I mean, uh, look at Moloch. He had a bull's head. He didn't even look human. The gods had this sense of the unknown. And of course, beyond that, the gods were seen as powerful. Would people sacrifice their own children uh, to a god that was known as being weak and someone they were not going to fear their power? No, 
the gods were known as being very powerful. And so, what about an idea? What would the people who worship these gods feel if they heard that the gods were going to come down to earth and live among us, live among mortals, this idea of gods living among us? I think there would absolutely be a very fearful response from some of their worshipers at this idea. There's this fantastic movie. Um, If you don't know, I love movies. Uh, There's this fantastic movie, uh, the Disney movie. It's just a Disney day, I guess, um, called The Road to El Dorado. Who's seen this movie? This movie is awesome. Uh, It has these two uh, gamblers, these thieves, Miguel and Tulio from Spain, and they go to the New World in search of the city of gold, El Dorado. And they find it, and they come in riding on a white horse. And the natives who live there see... Miguel and Tulio, these people who look different, uh, they've never seen people like this before, riding on a horse, a white horse, they've never seen a creature like this before, and they believe that these two men are their gods incarnate, come to live among them, as was prophesied. And so, Miguel and Tulio are like, this is fantastic, we don't even need to steal the gold, they're just going to give it to us. Uh, But, this fantastic news turns into something a little bit Worse, a lot bit worse, I would say, because they find out from the priest of these people that he expects them, as the gods come to live among them, to make sacrifices of their people, to bring about punishment. He tells them that the gods demand blood. And it's a great movie, and you'll have to see it to watch and see what they do uh, in that movie. But How does this equate to, when we read in the Bible, this idea of, we see the idea of the fear of God, our God? Certainly, uh, this is talked about in the Bible, and it isn't a bad thing. Uh, God is, of course, there is this element of God being this unknown thing. He is different than us. We cannot possibly fathom all the things about God. We don't know all things about God. In fact, think about the people in the Old Testament because God has revealed himself over time to mankind. We know more about God than people during Abraham's day or Moses' day did about God because God has revealed himself more to us on who he is. But there's still, we can't, know everything about God. He is, in a sense, otherworldly. He is different. God is powerful. That is absolutely true. God makes the power of the other gods that we talked about pale in comparison. One, because we know those gods are not real. God is the one true God. And a true God is way more powerful than gods that don't exist. And these gods, these pagan gods, needed all these gods to create the universe. Well, we have a God. We know that there was only one God who created everything, who controls everything. And how much more powerful is that? And that is frightening, right? That is to an extent. There is a fear of God that is talked about in the Bible. But what about uh, the idea of God coming to live among us? The Jews, Jim talked about 
last week how the Jews were longing and they were hoping and waiting for this person known as a Messiah, uh, this person who would be a king that would come and rule over his people, this person who would come from the line of David. These people were longing and waiting for this Messiah to come. This is where we are going to uh, start reading in scriptures today. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2. That's page 715 if you have one of our church Bibles. And we are going to start in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2. Let's read together. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. We uh, have heard this story before, right? We know this story. We, when we have these Christmas trees up here, when we're talking about Advent, when we're lighting the candles, we know we're going to focus and talk about this story. We know what is coming when we talk about this story. But let's keep on reading in this story. In verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Jim talked about shepherds last week. Um, And there's something about shepherds that I think, uh, there's this idea of shepherds that if we look at shepherds at first glance, we might think, oh, that seems like a pretty safe job. You're working with sheep. What's What's the worst that could happen working with these cute, cuddly sheep. I mean, the worst is that, you know, a goat comes up and, like, rams you in the leg. (laughs) But shepherds had to watch over their sheep and protect these sheep from any wildlife that decided, I want to come and I want to take that sheep away and eat it. (laughs) Whether that was wolves or bears or lions or dingoes, doesn't really matter. (laughs) Whatever it was, Nobody laughed at dingoes. I thought dingoes was funny. Um, whether, whatever the wildlife in the area was, um, they had to protect their sheep from these wildlife. And so now picture yourself being a shepherd in a field at night and you are watching over your sheep, not knowing if a wolf or a bear or a dingo will come to take your sheep away. And you know that if that happens in the dark, which is scary enough, I think, already. You're in the field at night in the dark. You might have to fight off a wolf or a bear. You might have to do that. that anybody in here think that that's not scary? I don't want to do that personally. That's frightening uh, to me. And so I think shepherds, if we really think about it, had to be kind of brave guys to be able to be willing to do this because if they didn't do this, they're going to lose their job or they're going to lose their sheep. So in this story, one of the things that I like to do is I like to picture that there's one new shepherd 
uh, who is, it's his first night on the job. He's never done this before. He's a little bit scared. And, you know, all the shepherds are like, Bob, it's okay, man. We got you. If a wolf comes to take out the sheep, uh, we'll, we'll get it. I, I realize it's your first night. Uh, it's scary because it's dark. I get it. You're fine. We'll take care of the, the wolf for you if it comes. Um, let's, let's read with that, uh, all that in mind and see what happens next. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Terrified. Not, not a little bit frightened, not a little bit cautious. These shepherds, an angel appears to them, and the glory of God shines around them in the night. And they're terrified. They are so scared. Bob, the new shepherd, has ruined his new shepherd's robes. He is so scared. <laughs> it is super frightening. And it makes sense, right? Like, this is not a normal thing. This doesn't, it's not, like, oh, uh, yep, Tuesday again, angel's coming. No, this is something strange. This is something unknown. This is something powerful. And what could it mean that these, this angel is appearing to them right now? What does this mean? This is why uh, I love the first thing that the angel says. Uh, We continue on in verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heaven, heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The first thing that the angel says, he says, Do not be afraid because he, it, it's, it's clear these shepherds are super, super afraid at this. And then he goes on and says, do not be afraid. I have brought good news. This is a good thing that I come to tell you. A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Now, if you have talked to me before, if uh, you have heard me uh, up here giving a message before, you probably know by now that I'm a huge, huge geek. Uh, I love geek culture. I am so proud that we are living in the age of the geek, where Marvel movies are the coolest movies out there, where Star Wars movies are the coolest. And speaking of Star Wars, uh, (laughs) yeah, you guys knew it was coming. So uh, Star Wars is this movie that has been around for almost two years, two more years, and it'll be a 40-year-old movie, the first Movie. That's crazy to me that this movie is still so huge and it's almost 40 years old. And so a little over a decade ago, these amazing Star Wars movies, news came out that they were going to be making more. George Lucas was making more and he came out with these prequel movies about the characters that we knew and we loved and how they grew up and became the people that we know and we love from these movies. And there was this excitement. (laughs) I remember going to the midnight showings of these movies. There was this excitement about these movies coming out. Uh, There was, we were all so excited as Star Wars fans. 
these, finally, we're getting more Star Wars movies. I cannot wait. And then the movies came out, and people went and saw them, and people started talking about them, and critics came and did their thing. Uh, and there is now this general, general consensus from most Star Wars fans that those prequel movies are not that great. Uh, those were not, in a sense, the Star Wars movies that we were waiting for. Uh, they were not that. And so, unless you've been uh, living under a rock, you probably know that there's a new Star Wars movie coming out next week. Uh, if you're like me, you already have your tickets, you're prepared to go. Um, <laughs> and uh, there was this period of time, and it's still going on, that a lot of Star Wars fans had this fear um, of this new movie. Is, is this going to be another letdown? Are these going to be the Star Wars movies that we're waiting for? Or is this going to be a huge disappointment? And there was this moment for me where I finally went from that fear, because I was definitely in that area, to I started believing in these mo- this new movie. This was, of course, the moment. I was raised to do one thing. When but I've got nothing to fight for trailer, the real trailer, not the teaser, came out. And I heard that music. I will finish. And I saw that helmet. And then, especially, oh, the Millennium Falcon, you can lower the music. The Millennium Falcon with TIE Fighters coming after it, and then you get this moment with Harrison Ford, he's Han Solo again. I watched this trailer with chills going down my spine. I was so excited. I remember Jim Jim was in his office. I was in his office. Did you see it? Yeah, I saw it. It's so cool, yelling to each other from down the hall. I was super excited. Yes, I know I'm a huge nerd. I'm a huge geek. I'm proud of it. It's okay. Um, So, Uh, this was the moment that I knew, uh, we've seen enough of that. Um, (laughs) maybe we haven't. Uh, (laughs) this was the moment that I knew this was the Star Wars movie that I had been waiting for. For the Jewish people, they had, like Jim talked about last week, they were longing for a Messiah. They had for a long time been expecting a Messiah to come. And this news that they just got, this was not the first time that someone had come and said, I have found the Messiah. This was not the first time that somebody would grow up and claim to be the Messiah. But I imagine, like when I watched that trailer, when an angel comes to you, And says, do not be afraid. Because at this point, were there Jews that were at the point where every time they heard some news like this, they just had fear instead of hope? That They were like, this this is, no, no way. This is not the Messiah. (laughs) This can't be the Messiah that we've been waiting for. But when an angel comes and tells you this news... When the glory of God shines around, what more can you ask for when the angel says he is the Messiah, he is the Lord, this is the one 
you have been waiting for. And so, what do these shepherds in this story, what do they do after this happens? Let's continue uh, to read and we'll find out in verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So the angel departs after telling these shepherds this news. And what do they do? Uh, do oh, okay, let's be honest. <laughs> there was probably a couple moments of silence uh, where their hearts were just beating This was a crazy experience. Uh, Maybe one of them tried to talk and it came out like that, you know. They probably had a couple moments they needed to recover. Uh, But what do they do? They say, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this. And so they get up and they faithfully go. There's this moment where we see that their fear whether it's the fear of that moment, the fear of will the Messiah ever come, their fear turns to faith, turns to belief. Their fear turns to hope. And they get up and they faithfully go into Bethlehem. And they find Mary and Joseph. And I have to imagine that when Mary and Joseph see these shepherds coming, they hear the story from them about the angel. And I have to imagine that Mary and Joseph also are like, we too were visited by an angel. We too were told, do not be afraid. There had to be those stories being passed between them. And I just can only imagine these shepherds as they like approach this manger with they have been told this is Messiah, leaning down, getting to maybe like pat the head of Jesus, getting to pot. What if a shepherd was able to hold this Messiah, the Lord, in their arms? And their fear in this story, turns to incredible faith. They go out, they tell people, they tell everybody about this because they believe. And this, I think, is what Christmas is about, right? Christmas is about faith. It's not about fear. It's about faith. Christmas is about a God who comes to save us. The angel told Joseph he will save people from their sins. He told the shepherds he is a savior come, the Messiah. This story is one that brings fear. Not Sorry, the story is one that doesn't bring fear. It brings hope. These shepherds are now hopeful. This story is about a God who is not distant, but with us. A God who wishes to be known by us, who wishes us to know him. This story is about a God who is not come uh, like the gods in El Dorado were believed to bring death, but this is about a God who comes to defeat it, 
So, what does this mean for us today? Uh, This idea of Christmas being about uh, faith and not fear. How does this affect our lives today? This is a top 10 fears of 2015 done by the Chapman University, a survey that was given to all these people. And basically they had a hundred things on this list and they had to say, uh, I am afraid or I'm not afraid of this. And so they ranked it. What in 2015 were Americans most afraid of? And so here are some of the things, if you can't read it, we have at 58% corruption of government officials. Uh, Cyber terrorism comes in at number two. That's crazy to me. Five years ago, are you afraid of cyber terrorism? What's cyber terrorism? Now, it's number two on the list of top ten fears of 2015 for Americans. Corporate tracking of personal information. Terrorist attacks. Government tracking of personal information. Bio-warfare, identity thief, economic collapse, running out of money in the future, credit card fraud. Just a few of the things on this list, these were the things that ranked top ten. Who here at some point is willing to admit they have honestly been afraid of at least one of these things? Like, I think if we're all honest, one of these things has scared us, if not all, if not more than one of these things has been scary to us. We all have things that we're afraid of. It is, we cannot look at this list and say, no, these things aren't scary. But I think here's the thing, when we look at this list, when we watch the news today, when we read the news, uh, when we talk to each other about things going on in the world, maybe things going on in our own personal lives, it's really easy uh, to have this mentality. And I, I know I have said it. Uh, I think probably a lot of you can go, yeah, I've totally said that at some point. At least we've thought it to have this mentality of what is the world coming to, right? Right. <laughs> uh, We can't deny that these things are frightening, that these things are scary, that there are scary things going on in the world. The question uh, that I want us to ponder today about ourselves is, in our own lives, when we think about these things, when, when we think about maybe not even these things, but what are the things that frighten you, that you are afraid of in the world, in your life? The question is, what is it, that directs you. Maybe a better word is, what is it that controls you? Uh, When we think about the thoughts that we have, when we think about things that are going on in the world, when we think about somebody, we see a political leader, when we see, think about people, when we think about events, whatever it is, what is it that directs our thoughts? Is it fear that's directing the way that we think about these things? What about our speech when we go and we talk to other people about things that are happening in the world, uh, about uh, things that are happening in our lives? When we go and talk uh, to people about this, what is it that we speak with? What is controlling our speech? Is it fear that is controlling our speech? This one, (laughs) what about actions? What is it that controls the things that we do? What about the things that we don't do? The things that we choose not to do? Why do we not do those things? Is it because fear is in control? Or 
Is it our faith that is in control telling us to think about the world in a different way, in a biblical way, in a godly way? Is it our faith that controls our speech that we speak in loving ways? Is it our faith that dictates our actions, what we do and what we choose not to do? Because I think the results are very different uh, for all three of those categories. What exactly is the difference uh, between being dictated, being controlled by fear, and being controlled by faith? Well, faith is about trust. Faith is about trusting that God is in control. Trusting that God, I was, when I was planning this sermon out, I was going to say trusting that God would keep us safe. But I don't want to say that. I want to say trusting that God has a plan for us and has a plan for our world. Faith is trusting in God. Faith is about hope. Uh, Not a hope. That means, man, I really hope that my, my team wins that game. Or even a hope in, man, I, I hope that that Star Wars movie is as good as I think it's going to be. <laughs> but faith is about a hope that we can know. <laughs> faith is about an assurance, an assured hope. A hope that we know that if we have a relationship with this child who was born, this Messiah... We know where we're going to end up. We know, we have hope that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what the 2016, the 2017 top 10 fear list is because of things going on in the world, we know that it doesn't really matter because God has already won because he's in control and we have hope. Faith is something better than fear. So really think about those things and think, what is it that isn't directing me in my thoughts and my speech and my actions? Am I controlled by my fears or am I letting God be in control of me? Am I being a faithful servant to God? (laughs) Am I thinking differently Am I speaking differently? Am I acting differently? Let's pray together. Dear God, uh, we thank you so much for today. Uh, We thank you so much uh, just for this, this time of year when we can reflect on the birth of your son. We thank you for this story that shows us these shepherds who their fear is turned to faith. We pray that we too knowing this story, can have faith like those shepherds and that our lives, our thoughts, our speech, our actions can be dictated not by our fears, but by faith in you, trusting in you, having hope in you. You are an amazing God, and we will talk to you soon. We love you so much. Amen. You are five minutes, and we'll be back in here for the congregational meeting. You are dismissed.